be sure to tune in to Tamina Talks Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, The Seattle Times, and much more. On her radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or are notable immigrants themselves. Check out Tamina Talks Immigration Tuesdays at 10 a.m. on Daisy 1250 a.m. Radio that listens to you. Good morning, Seattle. This is Tamina Watson on Tamina Talks Immigration here with my dear, dear friend, Roxana Norosi. Good morning, Roxana. Good morning, Tamina. How are you? Wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful you're here. Um, you know, we are live on um, www.dc1250am.com, but we can also tune in on Facebook Live. Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, if you are on your radio or on your website, you can actually go to the Facebook page of Tamina Talks Immigration uh, radio show and you can see us live talking about all the things that we're about to talk about. Reminder that this show is all about immigration, immigration only, news updates, law updates and talking to people who are making a difference just like Roxana uh, in the world of immigration. If you have questions or comments that you want to ask us, the number here at the studio is 844-301-1250, 844-301-1250. You can also email us at contact at desi 1250am.com. A reminder that we do have a Facebook page. We didn't have it for like 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> it was my New Year's resolution to have one. But we are up to about 10,000 likes, and we have a global audience at this point, which is fantastic. And if you don't know about the page, please go and like it because you can now ask questions um, and know what the show is going to be about in the following weeks, um, find uh, previous shows, and so forth. So it's very interactive. Um, and, of course, we have a fabulous guest, and I cannot wait to talk about all the things that she has to share specifically today. If you've just tuned in, this is Tamina Talks Immigration on Desi 1250 AM. So uh, in news updates, just a few little things I wanted to mention last week. Um, the Fourth Circuit had upheld the travel ban. If you didn't know about that, then woohoo, that was a big win for us. The case actually might go to uh, the Supreme Court, so keep an eye on that. And I do have to say that I was very proud to be a signatory to one of the declarations, uh, part of the airport lawyer stuff that we had done, um, signed on to a declaration. Uh, so watch out for more to come on that. But on that note, uh, it's also important to know that last Friday, the Department of State had lifted the, the admission numbers on refugees. Did you know that? It was yeah, very secretly done, uh, or quietly done rather, mm -hmm. but now people who are dealing with refugees will see uh, more people coming into the US, which is fantastic. Uh, and I do want to remind you of a show that we had in the past with our guest, Elena Krafcik, who was a refugee when she arrived here and I think that interview was so compelling because it tells you why uh, refugees are fleeing their countries and the desperation uh, and the desperate situations that they are in 
So it is welcome that the Department of State has actually lifted the uh, the numbers of refugees coming in. And lastly, I want to mention that last week also there was news that the NAFTA treaty is going to be renegotiated and that process has begun already. And the reason that is it's important for immigration reasons is because that there is a particular visa called the TN visa. And uh, the TN visa is dependent on the NAFTA agreement. The NAFTA agreement is between between America, uh, Canada, and Mexico, and it allows a free, not free completely, but easier movement between skilled workers to come to the US. And that might disappear or be restricted, who knows? So it's something to keep an eye on. So if you've just tuned in, this is Tamina Talks Immigration. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, please tell your friends and family because this is a very important show to listen to this morning, particularly if you have little children who are in our school systems. Um, so before I talk to our wonderful guest, Roxana, I want to talk a little bit about her so you know who she is. Roxana Narosi has over 12 years of experience in advocacy and social justice work with immigrant and refugee populations. Currently, she is the Director of Education and Integration Policy for One America, Washington State's largest immigrant rights organization, where she focuses on closing the opportunity gap through local and state policies and programs that support integration of immigrant children and families. In addition to her role at One America, she is also a clinical faculty member of the University of Washington's Masters of Public Health program. Roxana is the board president of the Seattle Globalist, a global to local news media um, platform, serves as vice president of the Children's Alliance Board of Directors, and is an appointee to the Seattle of um, City of Seattle's Immigrant and Refugee Commission. In 2010, after earning her master's in social work at the University of Washington, Roxana was awarded the Bonderman Fellowship, which allowed her to travel to 20 countries, exploring and reporting on post-conflict regions, migration trends, and identity. Roxana is fluent in Farsi and her experience as a first-generation American informs her passion and a commitment to education, equity, and immigrant justice. Whew, that's so much. Wow, what an honor to have you here, Roxana. Thank you so much. Goodness, um, you know, your background says it all about why you are doing this, but I have so many questions for you. And, you know, this is the second time you've been on our show. So it thank is. you so much. Last time you were here, you were talking about brain waste and the report that had just come on. So listeners and viewers, if you want to know more about brain waste, go and find our previous show um, you, that you can find on SoundCloud uh, at the Tamina Watson profile and listen to that show about brain waste. But the work that we're going to talk about today is really a continuation of that. Um, yes. And so you have worked so hard on so many immigrant rights issues. And the latest one was to help passed a dual language bill right here in Washington State. Yes. Tell us what that was and why that you feel so passionate about that. Well, thank you, Tamina. First of all, I'm so excited to be here and to be talking to the listeners about this important piece of legislation. And, um, you know, this is so related to immigrant rights because when we talk about immigration, we not only need um, laws and policies that support immigrants in coming to the U.S. and having successful lives, but also in integrating in a way that is um, not only about becoming American, but how they can keep 
parts of their identity and their culture. And this is really what this bill about is about. And I'm so glad you asked me why personally <laughs> this issue is so, why I'm so passionate about this issue, because it really is uh, from my personal experience. My parents, as you said, um, are immigrants to this country from Iran. And when I entered kindergarten, I spoke two languages. I spoke Farsi, which I learned at home. And then I had also learned English in my early years before I went to kindergarten. But at that point, this was you know, 30, 30 years ago now, the school system really, and teachers, um, didn't really understand the benefits of being bilingual. And the mentality was, if you don't speak English, you're behind. So all of the focus became on speaking English, getting caught up, and there was no support in cultivating my home language. And I saw that not only happen to myself, but so many other immigrant children who came into the school system feeling so proud of who they were and their identity and then seeing that kind of slowly start to dwindle as they went throughout their school education. So now fast forward 30 years, we know a lot more about the brain research. There actually is very compelling research coming out of the University of Washington that shows the many benefits of speaking one language or more than one language, um, as well as um, what folks may not understand what what it may not be intuitive is that when you learn a strong basis of your heritage or your home language it actually becomes easier to learn English or another language and so this bill is focused all on expanding the concept of classrooms where kids are simultaneously learning two languages at once um, English and a target language like Spanish Somali Punjabi um, any language Russian Arabic any language where you're learning two languages at once in a classroom and students are both speaking the target language as well as um, our monolingual English speakers. Their first language is English and it's all about the cross-learning. They not only learn the language, but they're actually learning academic content in, their, in the target language. So they're learning uh, science and math in Spanish oftentimes. Um, and the goal is really that these students become fully bilingual and biliterate by the time uh, they they leave the program. So well, it's very exciting and innovative. Um, a lot of schools around the country are moving in this direction, and this bill helps propel us in that direction as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, as you're talking, it reminds me that there are there are a lot of schools that are immersion schools, like they're immer immersed in a particular language. What your what this bill is doing is allowing that sort of uh, thing to happen in in the, in the public school. Yes. So, you know, I, uh, I have a lot of questions for you. Why is this bill actually necessary? That's a great question, Tamina. And actually, we got this question from a lot of legislators as we were working on the bill and advocating for it to pass. Um, the reason it's necessary is because to get these programs up and running, there are a lot of startup costs. So um, generally, when we get to the phase of these programs being implemented, they do cost more. But um, if we have a fully funded education system, they should be, these classrooms should be able to be sustained based on public education dollars, basic education dollars. Um, but getting these programs up and running costs a lot of additional funds. There's a lot of shifts that have to happen in the school. Um, there's training, particular training and recruitment of bilingual teachers. Oftentimes, if schools are running a dual language program that 
does not already have a curriculum. They have to build the curriculum. They have to build enrollment processes, outreach um, to families to select to um, enroll in the program. So these are all things that cost schools and districts a lot of money. And so this bill provides some additional startup costs to schools who have the will and the um, the uh, passion to want to get these programs up and running and gives them some additional funding for the first two years to get them established. Fantastic, fantastic. So who will it apply to? So any school district in the state is eligible to apply. There are some qualifications because this bill is focused on the needs of students who are learning English and who are oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes children of immigrant and refugees. Um, the districts do have to be able to articulate in their application how the dual language programs would meet the needs of these communities and children. Um, we also, they also have to show that their school board and their school and their school district folks who are making a lot of important decisions within the schools are committed to the issue of bilingualism and establishing dual language programs and they have to demonstrate that they have a plan for sustaining these programs long term. It can't just be that they take the money and you know run the program for two years but that it actually is a long term vision it. for how they will run programs in the future. Got it. So this the age group of the children from kindergarten to high school? Um, yes, it is. Um, but typically dual language programs start at the early ages because that is really the window when children, um, even before they enter school, zero to five is really the most important time. So for all you parents out there who have young kids, um, really important to know how beneficial it is for kids to speak their home language and that there really is this short window where kids have the ability to absorb more than one language. So with that, because of that for most of these programs it is going to be in the elementary years most dual language programs do start in kindergarten and build from there got it um but you know we, the state would be open to looking at different types of applications mm -hmm. um and this really is a local driven process so the school districts will um determine what their strategy is and then apply to the state for the funds Got it. So that does bring me to the funds. So the funding is coming from the state. It is. And then the districts have to say, hey, we have a program. We need some funds for it. Either they, c they need to demonstrate that they have a program or they want to convert a couple of their classrooms mm -hmm. or their entire school to be a dual language program. So yes, the funding comes from the state. This is the first time that we've had a bill passed, but it's not the first time the state has funded this. Actually, two years ago mm. through something called a budget proviso, which means it's a line item in the budget that was set aside by the state legislature. Um, there was a smaller amount of this exact program that was funded and about six districts across the state got that funding and now have brand new dual language programs. Oh, so fantastic. this is an extension. The bill obviously signed by the governor is um, makes it much more official mm -hmm. and also uh, cements our state's commitment to mm -hmm. moving in this direction. Um, and um, and any, any school can apply, but the money does come from the state legislature. And because the final budget for the state has not yet been negotiated, we are waiting it is dependent on how much gets allocated in the budget 
but given that we have a signed bill, we are very hopeful. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, I did read the bill, and uh, it <laughs> was great, great reading. It was very educational. So if anybody's interested in learning what is in the bill, it goes through a lot of historic information and statistics and uh, information that is necessary to understand why the bill exists today. Yes. And uh, I, it was interesting, I found, that the bill talked about if you're going to have a sample set of schools, you must have a sample set in Eastern Washington, at least that's how I read it. Yes. Uh, as well as a sample set here, is that right? Yes, yes. Um, some of the intention of that is um, to make sure that we are serving the immigrant and refugee population. So part of what school districts need to do is um, demonstrate that their dual language programs are reflective of a language in the community. Mm. So you can't have a dual language French English program if there are no, mm -hmm. you know, French speaking um, young mm -hmm. families and students um, in the classroom. So, and part of this is that we know a large portion of the immigrant and refugee population is on the eastern side of the state. So right. that particular piece is, um, there's one portion of the bill that is around supporting middle and high school students to become teachers mm. and l looking for talent that early on, bilingual talent and supporting um, students who are in middle and high school themselves to think of themselves as continuing on to becoming teachers. And also really about, this is another way that we're um, supporting the assets and mm -hmm. the many benefits that come with being bilingual. So mm -hmm. that specifically, that specific pilot is focused on two sides of the state. Well, that's fantastic. You know, we're gonna run out of time soon. So I've got to ask you my really important questions here. Um, it, the bill talks about children who are going to, th through the system and that they're going to, the to university. Is that what you really mean by making them teachers in the future? Yes, for that portion of the bill. So part of the struggle of getting dual language programs up and running is there are not enough bilingual teachers who have the right um, degrees and credentials to be teaching in dual language programs. And so this um, portion of the bill is starting very early and supporting students and also really supporting them not only around their trajectory to go to college, but with scholarships and mentorship, all the supports that they need to hopefully become teachers one day in the future. Fantastic. So tell us about the long-term benefit of this, of this bill. Well, there are many long-term benefits. One thing that I haven't mentioned is that our state is becoming more and more dependent on a global economy that um, is inviting trade and, um, that is one very particular reason why we need the residents of our state to be bilingual and we need more of these skills. So that is one long-term benefit is that we're going to have students graduating from our public education system that have the skills to meet this um, demand. Um, in addition, our populations are only becoming more and more diverse. So um, we need nurses, doctors, teachers, um, counselors, uh, any job you can think of, we are going to need bilingual individuals in those positions to communicate with our changing demographics. And so this is another reason why um, this sort of bill and dual language programs are really going to benefit us. And then the last thing I would mention is um, some of your listeners may be familiar with what we call the opportunity gap or this gap between um, achievement in students of of color, immigrant students, African American, um, Native American, others, and um, what we what what we see in the data is white students. And the reason we call it the opportunity gap is because it really is about 
um, the system has not set up the right opportunities for all kids to succeed, not about the achievement of these individual, of our individual children. So what programs like the dual language program do is that they have research backing them that shows that they can close the gap and better meet the needs of our immigrant refugee and students of color to feel accepted in the classroom, to feel that their strengths are being brought to the front of the classroom, and that um, they are learning something that is relevant not only for their academic future, but to their families and their communities. That's wonderful. So basically three main points. The global economy is really dependent on having people who have these types of skills. Uh, Our own community is growing in its diverse population. And three, it's closing the opportunity gap. So that's wonderful. And 20 years later, this bill and you will be, this will be your legacy. You know, you've worked so hard for it. You You know, what will you um, uh, advise parents and teachers and the community about this bill what would you tell them it's a great question I'm so glad we're ending on that because there's so much that everyone can do to advance this issue the first thing I would say is number one learn about the research we actually have a campaign called the home language campaign that very quickly tells families about the many benefits of speaking their home language this all starts at home so starting from a very young age Um, teaching, if you have a language skill, teaching that to your child. Um, If you don't, seeking out places where your children can learn another language very young, learning about the brain science. So if you go to our website at weareoneamerica.org, you can find very helpful information about our Speak Your Language campaign. The second thing is that this bill is really going to be about um, the advocacy that parents, families, and students do at the local level. So um, districts will, will only apply if they want to do this or if they hear from their families and communities that this is a desire and that they want to see these programs in, in their schools. And so there are many ways that parents, students, and families can go about this, um, going to school board meetings and um, in public testimony talking about um, what you want to see, that you want to see dual language programs in your school, meeting with your principals, with your superintendents, um, with folks in the school district, um, going to other schools and seeing how these programs work. Those are all really great things that um, families and many of your listeners have the opportunity to do. This is really about how um, we not only pass legislation and funding, but that the demand comes from our families and our from communities directly. Well, that's wonderful. So just to recap what parents can do, um, parents, teachers, anybody in the community, they can go to the website, weareoneamerica.org, to learn about uh, the home language campaign that you have. Uh, And secondly, that they have to be their own advocates. If the school doesn't see the need, they will likely not apply. Is that right? Correct. So it's to, optional to to advocate for this. Uh, the schools must see that their teachers, their parents, everybody wants to see this program implemented, uh, and to to make that advocacy uh, effective, you can go to the board meetings, meet your headmistress or headmaster, meet the superintendents. The the people who are making decisions need to see that there is a demand. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Mina. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Roxana. This thank was you for invaluable information. I know our listeners and viewers uh, will really appreciate knowing this new information that you've, and it just passed. Was it May 8th? Yes. May 8th. So this is fresh off the, the 
news a hot press basically exactly. um we're not even at the end of may today's the end of may so three weeks yes wow how long did it take to get here that's it took a it took a while so we've we worked on this bill for the last three years three years wow um and before that uh we're working with a lot of teachers and school district representatives in our community to write the bill so this came directly from wow folks who knew what wanted to, what they wanted to see happen. Wow. Well, thank you so, so much thank for doing Tina. all that you do and for really helping create a community and a workforce that is ready for the next generation, really, of, of basically a, a, a global community. Yes. Well, thank you. Well, listeners, that was Roxana Norazi, who was here talking immigration with Tamina. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to us. We have so much to talk about the um, in, in the next few weeks and months. Uh, we have a lot of wonderful guests lined up. So please do tune in and listen to what we have to um, share with you in the coming weeks. So thank you so much, Roxana, for being here. If you have questions or comments, you can always call the, the the number here at the studio to get a hold of me at 844-301-1250. You can always email me at contact at desi1250am.com. But of course, uh, when it's not 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, you can email me at info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. And if you have any needs, questions, anything at all, uh, we would love to hear from you. Info at watsonimmigrationlaw.com. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, and we will be here bright and early. Tuesday next week uh, on Tamina Talks Immigration. Bye-bye.